Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. And as we enter the show, which we do every week to the Seth and Sean Sports Intro, which is not really the Seth and Sean Sports Intro. Seth, can you guess what our show is? What our show's theme is? I know I you know this, either, right? It's like, you know, there was an electric light orchestra or Backman Turner Overdrive. It's some, some 70s band. So it's Welcome Back, My Friends, to the Show That Never Ends by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Okay. And I was thinking ELO. It's EMP. Or ELP. Excuse me. My bad. Yeah. And, and that is purely coincidence because I heard the song once on the 1986 New York Mets um, VHS highlight tape. And I was like, that's a pretty cool song. And when we started this show, we – we went with a couple of songs, and we finally came to this one, and it brings us to t- one of today's questions, which we'll get to in a moment, but it is, who is the most influential rock band amongst sporting events? So when you, when you think of sporting events, and you, you, look, number one, it's kind of obvious, and I think Seth will get it right away, at least where, I'm, where my head is at, but I'd like to discuss maybe two, three, and four. Uh, along those lines, but we'll get to that. Did, in you, second. Make a, did you make Later a list? On, I made a list in my head. I thought about the. You know, I was driving on 400 here in Georgia on the way to Alpharetta, where my office was. Uh, about I don't know. This was like last Thursday, and a song came on, and I wondered who is the most influential rock band in sports. Not only that, but what was played at sporting events before these groups even existed. So you got like Rolling Stones, right? You got Start Me Up, right? Or Michael Buffer, like Let's Get Ready to Rumble, right? These things are, first of all, I have no idea why somebody at a boxing event would say Let's Get Ready to Rumble. That's not necessarily a boxing concept, but okay, Michael Buffer says it. Then you had Start Me Up, which makes a lot of sense for the start for anything. But there are a lot, like Crazy Train, right? Where is Ozzy Osbourne coming up with Crazy Train? And these are songs that are played at every sporting event. And I wondered, and, and I'm not mentioning the one group that I believe would be the number one on any sporting event, but what happened before these guys? What was played? If anything was played. The thing that I remember in the 1980s listening to when I went to Islander games, was an organ. That's all it was. There wasn't music played. It was just an organ. And I got to assume that most places were just like that. So, so we'll, we'll, talk about that. we'll talk about that in a second. We also have, this is commissioner, of a, a commissioner for the day for soccer, which just started, um, EPL just started, the, uh, I think, on Sunday. And um, Friday. I know Seth has been... 
Friday. Seth is in all his glory. And I've been seeing many more soccer jerseys down here in Atlanta than I ever did in the New York metropolitan area, which is, is quite surprising. But what would you – and I've asked around a bunch of people, and I've gotten a bunch of different answers as to changes that they would make to uh, allow soccer to be more popular in the state. So I'd like to run those by you, and okay. we can certainly talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about that, and then – of course, we have, well, the Mets have only won 19 out of 21 games. Okay, let's start with that. Let, 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 you, you don't get too many, time, too many chances to, to, uh, to bask in the glory. So please, enjoy your late July, early, early August success and, and go with it. Look, we're, we're you a game out, of, game out of the wild card. And you and I both, I say we, and I know that a lot of a lot of people don't view themselves when you say we you're part of the team. I have a hard time with that because sweat, tears, whatever. Look, Seth, you're you say we when it's the Giants. The only person uh, the only person I really adamantly know that that swears off the word we is my brother, and that's because my brother's a jerk. And <laughs> and he acts. You know, there aren't many people in the world, and I love my brother to death. This is my younger brother. There are not many people in the world when you say to somebody's face, you know, you're really a jerk. And his response is, thank you? Thank you. Right, exactly. I mean, come on, you can't be any more of a jerk than that. But I am basking in the glory. I am enjoying a at least July pennant race where you take two out of three from the Nationals and then tonight starts a huge series. I think this is probably the biggest series in probably 10 years for, for the Mets. In that Wait a minute. They, they, are went, going they, went to against... the, they went to the World Series five years ago. How yeah, could this no. be the biggest series in 10 years? Biggest regular season series. Let's go with that. Biggest regular season oh. series in 10 years in that they are – Look, you win 19 out of 21, and now you're going to go play the first-place team in their, in their park with the chance to make up conceivably three games on the first-place team, who you are seven out of. You can take over the wild card, or I will tell you right now, if they lose three straight, all momentum is gone from this team. They are riding momentum. They're not... They have come back in, I believe, 80% of these 21 games. I mean, they were down 3 nothing the other night. Uh, three unearned runs, Jacob deGrom on the hill. And I walk from my car, because I can watch it on YouTube TV, I walk from my car to my apartment, which is no more than maybe, I don't know, 500 feet at most. By the time I walk into my apartment, they've tied the game in the first inning. This is, this is, I hate using superlatives. This is very nice. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very nice change in July and August. And it's actually the opposite. If there are two more opposite teams than the Yankees and Mets in the major leagues, I'd love to find them. Because they are exact opposites. Everything about these two teams is opposite. 
And the Yankees have, have just continued to roll. And it's, it's a lot of fun watching this Yankee team. And I'm not a Yankee fan by any stretch, but does that, does that it, hurt it, you to say? It hurts me to see Paul. You know what it hurts me? It hurts me to see Paul O'Neill go rub it in Gary Thorne's face last night. Um, that Gleyber Torres hit yet. Uh, Gleyber Torres hits what? Fourteen home runs, thirteen or fourteen home runs against Baltimore in August, <laughs> just against Baltimore. Um, no, it doesn't pain for me to say it because I don't think the Yankees have a postseason shot in hell. <laughs> so. They're a fun team to watch, but I, I don't see it in the postseason. But I do believe that 25 years ago, I, I saw a very interesting quote by Buck Showalter. I wanted to get your, your take on this. So 25 years ago yesterday was the start of the Major League Baseball strike, 1994. Yep. Seth, do you, do you remember where you were? I was a counselor at a day camp getting ready for to start college in a week. So you don't re, so you don't remember where you were like no. on that day when no, they actually made it. Okay. Okay, no, so I don't. Okay, so I was actually in Camden Yards the night of the strike. That's weird. And really, really, yeah. Well, I had gone with my good friend Eric and uh, his father and Jay, and we were all, the night of the strike was Camden Yards. And I was like, okay, so we're going to go. And it was actually rain delay. The delay started around 7 o'clock, uh, 8 o'clock. So they got, I think they got through like the first three innings. And it just kept raining in, in Camden. And normally when you have a rain delay of three hours, you kind of cancel the game and you come back tomorrow. But you knew there was no tomorrow because of this strike. So the rain delay actually went on for five hours before they canceled the game. It went to midnight. And at the stroke of midnight, they canceled the game because the players couldn't play anymore. And there were there were people that ran on the field and they were getting tossed off. And, but everybody was having a good time because I think everybody knew the inevitability. And I've been reading these oral histories in the last week over the strike where you were, blah, 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 blah. And according to some baseball players, they thought the baseball players themselves thought that the strike would only be a couple of days. And then that would be the end. There's no way that they would cancel a World Series. And Bud Selig says there was no way he would cancel a World Series. Don't talk to Gene Orza, who was the deputy, deputy general counsel of, of the Players Union. He thought Selig wanted the World Series canceled. But the fact is, everybody in that stadium knew that was the last time they were going to see baseball for that, for that year. Everybody. That's why they stayed. But Buck Showalter made an interesting point. So he said this, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing from an ESPN article that I read. He said, if 1994 strike did not, did not occur, 
and they played out the rest of the, re- the rest of the season. Now, if you recall, the top team at the time in the National League was the Montreal Expos, and they were kicking the crap out of everybody. And the top team in the American League was the New York Yankees. And he made a a claim that I had to go and research a little bit. He said, if that season is not canceled, Don Mattingly is a Hall of Famer. And I went back and, 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 and looked at his stats. And look, I love Don Mattingly. I think Don Mattingly is in the hall of very, very, very good. And his stats that year, so he played in 97 games. He had six homers, 51 RBIs. And I was trying to rationalize why he would have been a Hall of Famer if that season had not been canceled and the the next season was his last season. And the only thing that struck me was Showalter thought that they would make the World Series. And by making the World Series, Don Mattingly would automatically become a Hall of Famer. Now, you're a Yankee fan. I'm not. Does that make Don Mattingly a Hall of Famer? Is I no. to me that no. he's Keith he's Keith Hernandez then. I mean, right? No. He's, um, no, no. And actually, if you read the arc, the oral history from the Athletic, it says he thought they had a better than better than decent chance to win to beat Montreal, despite Montreal having Pedro and Randy Johnson and Larry Walker and um. No. Don, the reason Don Manley is not in the Hall of Fame is not because of the strike. The reason Don Manley is not in the Hall of Fame is because of his back. Because if his back had held up and he was the same productive player in you know from 90 to 95 that he was from 85, 84 to 89 when he was one of the three best hitters in baseball, I think your point. I think the point is that then then you have a very different argument. And I agree. Look, I don't know. I don't know a Yankee fan who doesn't like Don Mattingly. Um, he's one of the most universally liked players, even by people who hated the Yankees. It's kind of like Mariano Rivera. Very few people I know hate Mariano Rivera, whether you're a Yankee fan or you're not. And Mattingly held, you know, handled himself with great class, and he was at his prime. If he could have maintained his prime for longer, he would have been in the discussion. But going to the World Series didn't wasn't going to change that. Um, winning a World Series wasn't going to change that. Just to point out, so we we talked about that that Montreal team. That Montreal team, when they when the season was canceled, was seventy and forty four. I believe had won twenty two out of their last twenty five games. They had Cliff Floyd at first, Mike Lansing at second, Will Cordero at short, and Sean Barry at third. Okay, not so not so great, not so awful. Then you get to the outfield. Moises Alou, Moises, Marcus, I'm to think Moises Alou, Larry Walker, and Marquise Grissom. Marquise okay. Grissom. Three All-Stars. Your staff was Ken Hill, Jeff, Jeff Becero, Pedro Martinez were your top three. John Wetland was your closer. And Jeff Shaw, who later went on to be a fireman with the Dodgers, was your setup guy. The Yankees 
were very similar to the Yankees of today. They had one really, really good pitcher in Jimmy Key, and they were a lot of hitting. I mean, a lot of hitting. If you look at that team, besides Mattingly, they had Mike Stanley, who had his best year ever, with 17 homers and 57 RBIs. Wade Boggs batted 342. Bernie Williams went 12-57 with a 289 average. But Paul O'Neill, people forget how good Paul O'Neill was. In 400 at-bats, roughly, 21 homers, 83 RBIs, and batted 359. I think that took me a little bit by surprise, that he batted 359. I don't remember him being that high of a hitter. He actually was my favorite Yankee, if there was one, because that boy played with passion, perhaps a little too much at times, but certainly did play with he, passion. He was a he was there, a saner he was a saner Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> yes, with better power. That's, that's, that's a good. So their pitching staff was Jimmy Key, who went seventeen and four, then Jim Abbott, who went nine and eight, Melito Perez, who went who I believe was the cousin of Pascal. Uh, who went nine and four? Jerry Mulholland goes six and seven, and Scott Kamenicki went eight and six. But their bullpen was amazing. Steve Howe, Bob Wickman, Xavier Hernandez, Donnie Paul, Paul Gibson, with such luminaries as Jeff Reardon in the pen, along with Bobby Ojeda, actually participated in that season for the Yankees along with Kevin Elster, also on the Yankee team. So two 1986 Mets Mets on the 1994 New York Yankees. And I I have to say, looking back on that season, I remember the World Series being lost. But quite frankly, at the time, I think I I was either too young Granted, I was 17 or 18 at that point. Too young to appreciate that it was done. And then later I appreciated other records being smashed, like Roger Maris's record. I remember when, when McGuire and Sosa were going at it, and people asked me, so who are you rooting for? And I go, neither. I don't want that record to be done at all, because I'm now appreciating the fact that there's history behind baseball. While before the World Series lost, I hadn't done that. But that was 25 years ago today, uh, yesterday, that all of a sudden a baseball postseason is lost. And I, Seth, I know that we've talked on and off over the last couple of years over the decline of baseball. Do you think that it would be more tragic today as opposed to then, or was it more tragic then than it would be today? Then was the catalyst for the downfall. Because if you actually look back at that year, it was a pretty special year in baseball. And I'm trying to remember the specifics, but I think Gwynn was on target for 400, was hitting like 393. Maybe that, and Jeff yep. Bagwell was on target for, in a normal year, I think a triple crown, um, without except for the batting average. 
there were a couple other amazing stats from that year. I don't remember them all. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, so, so to so to give you a little help, Matt Williams was on track to break Babe Ruth's record and Roger Maris's for home runs. Jeff Bagwell was on track for beating uh, ever for over 160 RBIs, but two days before the strike, he broke his hand. So he was probably going to be out the rest of the regular season anyway. Uh, he actually won the MVP that year, which was his only MVP. And the question is, if the strike doesn't occur and he doesn't win that MVP, is he still in the Hall of Fame? Which is an interesting question. Should I ask, question about, should I ask Nabate? Do not ask Nabate Owls. No. Especially considering when I gave Nabate Owls his card on his wedding, he was like, I'm the one that said he was in the Hall of Fame, right? I just laughed. Anyway, the fact is, Williams, Gwynn, Jimmy Key was 17-4 and four at that time when, when the strike went down in, on August 14th, so another month and a half, could have easily won 20 games. Fred McGriff had over 30 home runs. Can you imagine Fred McGriff with 13 more home runs? 13 more home runs in his career would have hit 500. Chances are would have changed uh, a little bit of his Hall of Fame voting. There were lots of players that never came back from that. One of them was Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson never played another game. So lots of careers were lost. So you're right, Seth. It It was a pretty big downturn at the time. So you feel that back then was the catalyst for where it wound up now, which is basically the number three or four sport. I do. Um, at that point, at that point, I, I think I don't think basketball, except for Jordan, was as big. And football was popular, and it may have exceeded it by that point, but not to this, not to the degree anywhere near what it is now. I mean, now to me, baseball in a lot of ways is an afterthought. And again, I'm also not the world's biggest baseball fan, so that may be a bit unfair. But it is, that to me was the beginning. And because there was a lot of people who really never went back after that. And the question being, the question being, you know, you had some great events that happened later in the decade. Cal Ripken breaking the the, the, the Lou Derrick streak, the man, the Maris uh, McGuire Sosa battle in '99, and we all thought that that would bring it back to its original heyday, or at least closer to it. And it never got back. You know, it's just that simple. It never went back. And well, I think those that those are the, those are the things that I think other sports found out. Right. So if you look at football, football's had more labor uncertainty than any other sport, but it's never canceled the Super Bowl. You have the NBA has had labor discord and they actually canceled half a season, but they never canceled the playoffs. The two sports that canceled the playoffs, one canceled the entire season, the other just canceled August through September and a World Series. That's where, I'm going to throw out a phrase, that's where your bread is buttered, right? You get more fans in the playoffs than you do in any other time. So 
by canceling those two events, you lost a great denomination of your of your public. I think baseball and hockey both have never have not recovered. Either one of them. And since moving down to Atlanta, I will tell you, I've asked numerous people in this town about the Atlanta Thrashers because they had the Flames first a long time ago. They lost the team. And then they brought the Thrashers back down here. And I said, how could you lose another team? You were given a second shot. And they said, we didn't lose the team. They lost us. When the strike happened, Atlanta is a fickle town. They had not gotten the life, uh, the 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 lifelong fans that say the Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils and and the Blackhawks and and the Red Wings do. So they had fans that were five, six, seven years invested. You cancel a whole season; those fans go elsewhere. They had them; they were filling the building. The strike killed hockey in Atlanta. I think you're absolutely right. I think when you cancel a playoffs, can you imagine canceling the Super Bowl? No. And I don't think uh, the NFL could either. No, I don't think they could. So, okay, so let's digress a little bit and let's go. Let's tackle. Uh, literally, let's slide tackle. Uh, soccer. So if you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846 for the matinee showing of the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to go here until 530 today. So, Seth, I'm going to ask you first, and then I'll, I'll throw out the suggestions that were, that were given to me, mostly at the gym where I posed this question to numerous people that were wearing soccer jerseys this week. Well, it's also where you spend four hours a day, so it, it makes the most sense, okay. and that's where you get your. <laughs> All right, thanks for sharing. Anyway, so what would you, you being the soccer fan, what would you change in soccer? Soccer is obviously the most popular sport in the world. There is no doubt. But mm. in the United States, it's Basket- not pop- basketball. It's not. Basketball's right there, or basketball's gotten pretty close. Okay. So, but. But in the United States, it's definitely not. It, it is, what, five, six, seven? I mean, it's definitely down on the road. What would make mm-hmm. it popular, more popular in the United States if you can make a change? Well, I don't know if this will make it more popular. I mean, you, you have a pretty good you – ha, you have EPL on, on – like last week we talked about the hockey and not having a good contract with, with – another good TV contract. Base soccer has that. The problem with soccer is, in a lot of ways, it's just not that exciting of a sport. And I enjoy watching it. But to me, it's the perfect thing to have on in the background when you're doing other things. When I'm doing work, I love having it on the background because I don't need to pay attention to all. It's, it's not as constant as like the NBA. There's not as much scoring. Um, and it's not as fast as hockey for obvious reasons. The change I would make is very simple. You can't end game. You can't end games in the penalty kicks. It's silly. And to me, I would after 90 minutes, I would it would just be first goal wins. Period. Uh, no, 
you know, or if you want to end something again, depending on what we're t- depending on what we're talking about, whether it's a regular season soccer game or whether it's you know a World Cup or something like that. For regular season, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the U.S. League or the MLS or, or you know any of the other leagues. But for World Cup or international or international things, um, international games of significance, its first goal its first goal after 90 minutes wins. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. And none of this, none of this, none of this world, none of this um, penalty kicks. It's you know people play for penalty kicks. They play incredibly defensively. That'll expedite. It'll expedite scoring because you can't play, sit for 30 minutes and, and play defense in return for it. So that's how I, that would be the change I would make. So let me bring a question. Let me challenge you on that. Why play the 90 minutes anyway? Why not just play golden goal to start? To start the game? No, you're playing it. Oh, did you mean an extra 90 minutes, or you meant 90 minutes, then golden 90 goal? 90 minutes is regular. A regular game is 90 minutes. Right. After that, okay. first goal wins. Oh, well, first goal. Okay, golden goal. I am totally on board with that. And let them play as long as they need to. I think attrition is part of the game. I think it's the same in hockey. If you want to give them, if you want to give them more breaks, I'm okay with that. If you want to divide it up into 20-minute periods, I'm okay with that too, where they get a break every 20 minutes, switch sides, every 10 minutes, switch sides. Don't care. But I believe that attrition is part of an athlete. Okay, so here, here are some of the suggestions that I got from, from people. Eliminate offsides. What do you think of that? I don't. <laughs> I don't think you can eliminate offsides. Why not? You don't want. Uh, there are certain things that just go against the fabric of the game. You can't have a cherry picker down on the 18-yard line for, for for 55 minutes sitting there. Okay. Then it's I have an inter- another. Inter- then, so I had. I had. I said the same thing to the, to the gentleman, but I had another idea. You can offsides only if there is no offsides once the ball crosses the, the halfway, halfway line. So there's no cherry picking, right, because they've got to stay on the halfway line. But the, once the ball crosses, then there is no offside. Then you can make runs. Go make them. You want to have somebody cherry pick once you're on the, over the 50? Is there really cherry picking at that point? Everybody's no, down there anyway. That's an inter- That's a much more interesting premise. And if you think that more scoring is what's holding back viewing, then that's a, that's a really good rule. Because I got another God question: Is that is that scoring so much, or is it people are just afraid of offsides all the time? Like I think it's not even the scoring. I think the game would flow a lot better. If you didn't have offsides, never really thought about it, but I think it's an inch. I think it's an inch. I would be for it. Look, anything that that okay. makes that makes games go faster, I'm in favor of. Okay, so that that was number one. Number two for me: get rid of all the tournaments inside the tournaments. <laughs> Inside of the season. 
You want to play a tournament league, play it outside the season. I think it is incredibly confusing to anybody that is not a hardcore EPL guy to understand how the EPL works or how anything in Europe works with regards to soccer. I, I, I don't get the loans. I don't get the transfers. I, I, I just don't I, – I think there's, there's just too much confusion. And that's not to say that I, I don't understand what a loan is, because I do. But all the technicalities with different divisions and different loans and when guys can come back and when they can't, it, it, it just seems like I'm not following – we, we always talk about that the off-season is more, is more interesting in the U.S. sometimes than the regular season. I can't even understand the regular season because I'm so confused by the off-season when it comes to soccer. Oh, I think he would love it. It's, 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 the, it's the NBA free, free agency on steroids. It's hysterical. I mean, to me, okay. it, it, see, I guess to, to me, you're rooting for the team in soccer. You're not really rooting for the individual. And in the NBA, you're, a lot of times you're pulling for the individual, not as much the team. Um, I actually have no issue with any of – now, to be fair, I'm not an expert on the financial fair play rules, but I have no problem with the loan outs. I have no problem with the selling of players. I have no issue with that. To me, look, you loan out a player for a year because he's not getting playing time on your team, but he can get experience and play elsewhere and come back and be better, be useful for you the following year. I see no problem with that. Okay, but you're not loaning him. Okay, I get that, right? And that's what minor leagues are generally for when you're in a – when you're in the United States. I'm not saying that's necessary. So why would you not have affiliated teams in the lower divisions of soccer where you can just loan them out to an affiliated team, right? Because there are divisions, right? Division one, division two, II, division three. Why not just have affiliations because, with those teams that allow guys who can go up and down? No, because to, to me, the best part is, this whole, is the whole promotion relegation. It's the truest of meritocracies. If your team can't make the top, the can't get out of the bottom three of a division, you're relegated. If you can make the top no, no, three, no, okay. that's just. But hold on, but that's just how it, well, think, I'm think about, about like think, uh, Sean, 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 think about it. If you have five leagues in the in the English league, yeah. you have five leagues in England, and you're going to have an affiliate, and your affiliate is what happens if your affiliate is promoted to the to the Premier League and you're relegated to the league to the Championship League. That doesn't make sense. Right. It can't work. Right. But the loans, are, the loans are not only within the EPL. You're loaning to Bayern in in sure. Germany, or so. Look, you're, you're doing it with the with the acceptance and approval of the players. It's not like they're saying, "Oh, we're sending you to Germany." Yes, absolutely. They have to approve. Okay, I did not know that part. Oh no, no! You can't loan I, someone to Russia with on your, of your own volition. Now they can say, "Look, you're not going to play here if you stay, but we'll loan you to right. A or B or C or D." And typically, so you what can trade do is, guys. 
So you can trade them without their permission, but you can't loan them without their permission. Well, how often? Well, how often do you? See, well, the reality is you very, very rarely see trades, actual trades in soccer in the European leagues. Or sell, or selling, right? You can you can sell a guy without his permission, but you can't no, loan him without. You it. can't. You can't sell because they Wait have to second. agree on the contract. If they the don't agree with the contract, transfer. Oh. Wait a second. So if I'm being paid, and ladies and gentlemen, I am being schooled, and I am happy to be schooled because I am unaware of this. So if I'm getting paid, by, I have signed a five-year contract with Manchester United, okay, for $4 million, $20 million total. And Chelsea says, who, who you, you own Chelsea, Chelsea comes to my owner and says, I want Sean to play center forward, which would be great because that was my spot. I will pay you $50 million for Sean to come play for me. Now, I'm only in the first year of my five-year contract. You mean to tell me you can't sell me and my contract doesn't transfer? I, I get to sign. I get to basically be a free agent again? No. No, that doesn't sound right. Right? That sounds that Yeah, sounds that doesn't wrong. sound right, but you can't be sold to, you can't be sold to a team without your permit without their permit without your permission. I believe. I because I don't think so I've ever the, seen it in the in the English league okay. where pe- now people have held out because they don't want to play for their given the team that they're on. Right, and then and they don't get paid. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever seen a player traded, and because you pretty much they're they're sold. They're, so when well, you're right sold, now we're talking about right now we're talking about a Neymar trade, right? There is actually a trade that is being discussed. It's like sixty million euros and two players, and the problem is whoever is giving up those two players don't want to give up those particular players. The, They'd rather give up two other players. Are you telling right. me that those two, any of those four players, have to give approval to go to another team? I believe so, because I think there's also passport issues. So some of these people okay. can't go to the other. Because think about it, England's not no longer part of the EU. Some of these players can't go over, and I don't think mm-hmm. you can be just suddenly sent from, as I said, from. Spain to Poland, but you can be without. Well, but you're okay. loaned out. But you can do that of your. But you have to approve it. It's different. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do some research over the next week and figure this out because I, it's not that I don't believe Seth. It's that contractually, I'm having a hard time understanding it. So happy to discuss it again next week. Uh, I believe – so next week is the 21st – sorry, the 20th, and that is our college football preview. So I believe we're going to go 90 minutes, Seth. So we'll have a, a little bit on, on soccer. We'll have our rule change to college football, and then we'll go into our college football preview. And I'm looking forward to it with Syracuse uh, doing as well as they are. And then uh, game two is in Maryland against the Terps. So I think Seth and I will have a friendly wager on that. Um, 
Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a delivery of some alcohol one way or another. So that being said, let's move on to our, our last part of this of our show, which is in regards to musical groups. So I think we can all establish, or at least I can, that the most influential musical group in sports is Queen. I agree. We will rock you. We are the champions. Another one bites the dust, right? Can we agree on this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's number two? Who do you think has, has any shot with regard to that? So I, I came up with a couple, but I, I'm, I'm interested in, in I'm actually going to keep you in, I'm actually going to keep you in suspense for two minutes. I have to actually jump in my car, and I'm calling for my office line. Okay. I will call you back in two Fair minutes, enough. and I will give you my response. Okay. Okay. We are, I, am, I am eagerly awaiting the response of Mr. Caymans in, in regards to that. Now, with regards to the soccer thing, I am befuddled. I wasn't going to say this with Seth on, on the line. I am absolutely befuddled that contractually some guy cannot get traded. That's why he signs a contract. The contract is held by one team. It will be sold. I get, I get the loan because the loan you sign with one team and you're still, your rights are still being held by that one team. And you're being loaned to another team. There's no, so the other team is going to pay your salary. And I get that part. I get the loan. The sale and the trade, I'm in a hard time. I, I get the fact that passports are passports and some, play, some, some players cannot go from one country to another. But I'm sure that's within the rules. Of you, I cannot be traded to X, kind of like a no-trade clause in baseball, where, hey, I'm Enos Cantor, and I cannot be traded to the Turkish team. If you don't know why Enos Cantor cannot be playing for Turkey, I suggest you look it up. I'll bring that up to Seth when he gets back in the car. But uh, interested if you have any, any thoughts as to bands that have an influence on sporting events, because we, we established that Queen is number one. Uh, I, I think I said uh, Ozzy with Crazy Train. I can throw out Guns N' Roses with Welcome to the Jungle, but I don't, re- I don't know of any one, te- one group that really epitomizes it like Queen. So I got Journey, Journey with Don't Stop Believing, House of Pain, Jump Around, Queen, we will rock you. I, I did make a list of 20 famous songs. Crazy Train, Start Me Up, Hit the Road Jack by Ray Charles, Welcome to the Jungle, Let It Rock, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now, Walk This Way, uh, 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 I can't remember the name. Uh, zombie, uh, Four Nation Army, uh, Seven Nation Army by White Stripes, YMCA by The Village People, Van Halen's Jump, Sandstorm. But all in all, you're not coming up with one band. I can't come up with another band. I, I've mentioned that. I've mentioned We Will uh, Survivor, maybe in I there, heard. right? And and any uh, look, if you're going to say a soundtrack, I'll take Rocky Four for a thousand, please, Alex. 
Because I think everything of course, on that soundtrack, it's the best soundtrack is fantastic. Ever. Right, but that's not by one group. So you can't really go no. with the soundtrack. So there's, I don't look, really have no, a, a group. There isn't one. But to me, if there's one song, it can only, there can only really be one other song. And that's Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. Right. Well, I, I agree. I mean, look, that song is played at every single sporting event, right? I mean, so if you're, if you're going to name another, one other song that is played at every sporting event, that is true. Now, I did do some research. I'm not sure if you know the answer to this. What was played, okay. and I don't know the answer. I have no idea. I could not find it. And I asked around here, maybe you know, what was played when teams won championships before we are the champions? Because I have I don't absolutely think, no idea. I don't think anything was played. It. I don't think either anything was played or something like Chariots of Fire or hmm. something along those lines. Chariots of Fire, I believe, came out after we were, after we are the champions. That's true. It's based on the 1930s. It came out in 81. My fault. Um, yeah. I don't think there's an answer. I don't think there was, there was music. I, I really don't know. Because how often have you seen... Well, I, how often have you seen... Forgetting the Super Bowl, because that's more Disney, and you have When I Wish Upon a Star, but... How often have you seen a championship ceremony from 1965? There's yeah, no music right. played at any of those. You're right. By the because way, it I became a lot a more pop and circumstance. I did think of a couple years. others that are that are played at every single event. So I think YMCA is played at every event now, at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Seven Nation Army Caroline, by the White Stripes. I, well, I that's more the Boston thing. Okay, fair, fair, fair. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle. I think it's played at, at every at every sporting event to hype up people. Okay. I'm not saying it. it I think, uh, like I said, Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones probably played. I think, I th- I think ready to. I think Michael Buffers. We are ready to rumble. Uh, it, that's not a song, though. True, true, true. That's just a catchphrase. So, I mean, you're right. I don't think that there is a whole lot when it comes to just music that was played before Queen. And why did it? Why did this come up? Well, we will rock you. Uh, sorry, another one bites the dust came on the radio while I was driving to Alpharetta. And I was kind of like, huh, junkyard dog, right? I think actually, yep. it's funny, Seth, I think, I think wrestling brought music to sports. Like, that it may very well have. I was thinking about because I remember when Ric Flair came to the ring with all the pomp and circumstance, right? And then Woo! Macho Man. Woo! And then Macho Man came with Elizabeth, right? And then Hogan came. Where I am, uh, I am a real American. I'm a real American. Wow. Yep. Yeah. By the way, uh, I forgot the name of that album, 
but that album was tremendous. Do you remember the album with all the wrestlers? Um, I don't remember the name of it. I can place it, but I can't remember the name of it. I'm getting it right now. Album wrestlers. Uh, was it called just the wrestling album? May have been. I, I think it was. I think it was called the wrestling album. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, with Nikolai Volkov, Junkyard Dog. Hold on, I'm looking up. Land of a Thousand Dances, Grab Them Cakes, Real American, Grab Them Eat Cakes, Your Heart Out, Rick Spring. Junkyard Dog had yep. two songs. It had two songs. Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield, which was Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Yep. Captain Lou's History of Music. I don't know that one. By Captain, Captain Lou Albano. Captain Lou Albano, WWF. I don't know. For Everybody, which was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Tootie Fruity. Do you remember who uh, Tootie Fruity Tootie was? Gene. Mean right. Woo! Gene. How about Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy? Um, was that Hillbilly Jim? Hillbilly Jim. And the last one was Caramia. I don't know. Who? Caramia was a strange, according to the Amazon.com CD, a strangely touching sung as it is in Nikolai Volkov's earnest baritone. <laughs> remember he came remember he came into what we thought was the uh Russian national anthem? Yeah. That was Karamia. Along with along with the Iron Sheik. So yeah, so this was uh you can find this on Amazon. I mean this you can find it on audio vinyl for $125 or audio CD for 14.98. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to uh go back in history, but I think wrestling is what brought music in earnest to sports. I think you had your sports but then you had your uh, a little bit of music in like the 80s, but wrestling's what brought it. Wrestling became sports was entertainment, right? Before sports was just sports. And I think wrestling uh, basically brought the entertainment portion to the program. And now you can't go. I, I think it's actually one the one thing that I can't stand about sports is that there's never quiet. Ever. You you go to a baseball game and every person has has a uh, a walk up song. Then every pitcher has a walk in song. Then at every single break in the action there's some music playing. There's never like I'm just gonna hear the bat. I'm just gonna hear the pitcher swear. Like that doesn't occur anymore and I think that, that happened a lot more when we were children than it is today. Well, I and think that's why soccer would be perfect for you, because, <laughs> because soccer is pretty quiet. It's boring and quiet. It's boring and quiet. Well, that's why I like tennis, 
That is why I like tennis. Um, boring and quiet. It's, it's absolutely perfect. And, and, I, and I'm actually working on joining a tennis club down here. So we'll see if that works Look out. Look at you. And, and, yeah, well, I got to get myself outside a little bit. So uh, tennis club right around the corner from where I'm moving to. So um, we'll see if the, if the back can handle it. But other than that, sounds like a good idea to me. So anyway, so you had your so next week we're gonna do college football, then we'll do the fantasy football, and then we'll uh, then we'll do our NFL draft right after uh, NFL uh, preview right after Labor Day. You did have your first fantasy football draft, so we spoke a little bit on, offline on this, offline on this. So you were telling me about Pat. You did an auction draft, but you could but you did a series of mock drafts. And I think we both came to the consensus that you have your studs, but once you get past maybe the first 30 picks, what did you find? Because I, I was very – I did a couple of mocks yesterday and found the exact same thing. There's nothing there. It is, or is everybody the same? Yeah. I mean, it's a very – after the first 25, 27, 28 picks, I was having a fits trying to figure, and I'm more knowledgeable than most, and I was having fits trying to figure out, you know, how I should go because the running backs are so limited, but the wideouts are better at that position. And, you know, in this league, you know, one of the guys had a really interesting position. He took no running backs and just took QBs and wideouts. And, it's 200, and I never would have thought to do that. But he, he's, his feeling is since everyone's kind of on a co-mingle anyway, other than the top 10, or a committee, I should say, I'll just pick up as I go. And he's got Hopkins and Jones and Deshaun Watson, and you know, he's got a stud QB wideout combo, but his running backs do leave a little to be desired. Yeah, I found the same thing. I think you are taking shots like some major shots this year. And you're going to be looking at, and as we'll discuss this in a couple of weeks, but you're going to see your AJ green is hurt. So you're going to take a shot on Taylor Boyd and you're hoping that he is the number one wide receiver in Cincinnati and can play like he did last year. You're going to take a shot on Josh Jacobs and you hope that he can be the number one running back in, in Oakland and soon to be Las Vegas after next year. You're going to be, especially when you get into keeper selections, in the past, you knew you had an inkling of what this was going to be. You knew who you were picking late round, and you were hoping that those were the shots that would make or break your season. Now, unfortunately, to me, and it sounds like, Seth, you're agreeing, those shots are not in the 13th or 12th rounds. Those shots are in the 7th and 8th rounds. Those seventh and eighth round picks can make or break your season. You're start you're you're taking shots on starters, not taking shots on backups. Yeah, it's it's a very awkward feel. Yeah. Okay, so we got five minutes left. I I will go first, and then I will leave it to you. Uh, something. It's funny. Something is going on as we speak. Very emotional day for me. And 
it, it has nothing to do with me personally, but everything to do with, with the history of me and being on Long Island and growing up. At this very moment, Long I- the, the county of Long Island or whatever county, Nassau County Executive Board, is signing off on the Belmont Stadium for the Islanders. For the first time ever, the Nassau Coliseum was not built for the New York Islanders. We all know Barclays wasn't built for the New York Islanders. Barclays was built for the Nets and was reconfigured incorrectly for the Islanders. For the first time in history, in 2021, the Islanders, the New York Islanders, will have a home that they can call their own. And it's emotional because it means that they're staying on Long Island. It's emotional because it means that I know where they'll be playing for the next 20-some-odd years. It's emotional because it means I can take my niece and nephew to a game on Long Island and not have to wait and take them somewhere else if the Islanders were to move. And if this stadium didn't come to pass, they were gone. So I said this on Twitter the other day. Charles Wang, who passed away earlier this year, you know what? This was his this was his dream. And he saved the Islanders for this day. So if you want to okay. give thanks to Sean, anybody. I just found out I went to the Sean, I apologize. I have to get yeah. off. Uh, <laughs> I just fucked up and I went to the wrong stop to pick up my wife. So she is now awesome. cursing at me on the phone. All right. We'll talk to you okay. later. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> Carly Fink came as a fan of the show, obviously, but not when Seth goes to the wrong stop. So if Seth has uh, dropped, he, he will, we will pick him up next week. So that being said, gives me two more minutes. It is just one of those emotional days for me, for my brothers, for anybody that lives on Long Island, that grew up with the Islanders, that we have a home. And if I can do it, and I hope to, it's going to be an expensive ticket, but my hope is to be at the first game at Belmont. It's going to be an expensive ticket. It may require me to get season tickets that year just so I can go to that first game. I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, it may very well be worth it. I may have to fly in my brothers as well. Okay, so next week, I'm almost in tears. Next week, College football preview, talk a lot about Syracuse and a bet that I will be making with Mr. Caymans for week two. The following week, fantasy football preview. And then right after Labor Day, we will have the recap of the Seth and Sean Sports Radio fantasy team in the Abate Owls League and our NFL preview. For Seth Caymans, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. You know what, guys? We have a great time, and we'll see you next week.